24. Joshua chapter 24. I don't want to make a big deal of this, but how many of you like doing public speaking? One. Okay, two. Two people. How many of you like to sing in public? Okay, maybe four. Can you imagine how difficult it is for a teenager to do that? That, that's what makes it beautiful. And I'm so very proud of those young people. <clears throat> yeah, and John and Ashley too. But uh, I, I can remember as a teenager, even if I, even if I could, could sing, there's no way in the world you could have got me to do that. I mean, you, you know, praise God for, that, for these young people. Joshua chapter 24. Now, <clears throat> I, have a, I have a confession to make of sorts. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know how other pastors prepare uh, for, for sermons. Uh, I've never really uh, asked a whole lot of pastors, you know, how they, you know, the, the, the mechanisms in which they use to prepare sermons. I, I just know how I do it and how God works in my heart. And there are times that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has given me certain messages. And then there are just times I just have to trust. Does that make sense? Hello? Okay. Um, so anyway, this morning, uh, the message this morning, God very made it very, very clear to me uh, a while ago uh, that this message was, was the message for this morning. And then <clears throat> we went to the men's conference, and uh, at the men's conference, somebody started asking me questions that really are going to be answered this morning in, in, in this message. And, <clears throat> but I, I, I was so, my mind was so focused on, on the conference and what was going on there and so on and so forth, uh, I wasn't even really thinking about the, the sermon this morning until I got home last night, and I uh, I went upstairs and and uh, you know, my 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 normal habit is on Friday night uh, or, or excuse me on Saturday night uh, before I go to bed uh, I like to read through my Sunday morning sermon just so that it's it's on my mind when I go to bed and then when I wake up it's it's fresh. And Saturday uh, last night, I was sitting in my office reading through the through the uh, sermon, and I thought, "Wow, God is th- this is a God thing. The, the timing of this is great." So <clears throat> this morning's message uh, is not only appropriate for the the men who went on the trip, but I believe it to be appropriate for every one of us. Uh, <clears throat> How many of us wake up in the morning thinking, you know, my goal for today is I want to mess my life up so bad that I ruin my life forever? How many of you, I mean, we don't do that, do we? But how many of us know someone who have done, who has done that in a 24-hour period of time? Okay. <laughs> we, you know, now we're probably... You know, we're, we're all guilty of making poor choices, are we not? But, but I don't believe any of us just wake up in the morning having a great desire to really mess our lives up. If anything, we have a great desire more often than not. I believe the majority of people here have a great desire uh, to do right. 
The title of my message this morning is Good Intentions versus Commitment. Good Intentions versus Commitment. Now the challenge becomes, how do we convert good intentions into commitment? Now, we, we, we all have good intentions, do we not? I, I believe we do. But how do we convert them into commitment? As I sat and I thought about this really simple question, I thought of many people in the Bible who we would very easily be able to say that these people demonstrated commitment in their lives. And, and I, I just came up with a very simple list. Let me read through this list very quickly. And uh, hopefully you will agree with me. Uh, Gideon. Wasn't Gideon a, a committed follower of God? Uh, Job. Moses. Esther. Peter. Mary. Noah. Ruth. And the list could go on and on and on. But all of these people were committed to to the Lord and and. I asked myself this question. How did these people transition from good intentions to commitment? Because really, is that not the key? And the answer to that is the same way you and I transition from good intentions to commitment. Now, yesterday at the conference, we were challenged, well, actually Friday night and yesterday, uh, we were challenged, many of us, to, to make this transition. And someone over the weekend asked me, uh, hey, how do I do that? How do I, how do I go from, from here to here? And I, I don't know, I, I think that the individual was asking me, okay, can I take a magic pill that will get me from here to here? Now, is that not what we want? <clears throat> we, we want? We want a magic pill or, a, or a, a magic prayer or something or someone who can just push a button and make it happen. I'm here to tell you it's not that easy. Joshua chapter 24, <clears throat> page 159, if you're using the Bibles in, your, in, your, in the chairs there. Let's look at verse 15. <clears throat> One of the more famous verses in Scripture. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on uh, that were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. Now this next phrase, many of us have this next phrase in a picture or a plaque or something in our homes, do we not? Those of you that know the next phrase, let's read it together. But as, okay, okay, together, okay. But as for me and my house, we will what? We will serve the Lord. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow. What an incredible, incredible statement. And Joshua meant every word of it. But in order for Joshua to mean every word of it, he had to live, verse 14. He had to live, verse 14. Let's read verse 14 and 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in certainty and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whom you dwell. Put, excuse me, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, I ask as we look at this very important passage that we will get a glimpse into the transition that needs to take place in all of our lives. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are some characteristic some traits that Joshua developed in his life in order to be able to say, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's an easy thing to say, but is it an easy thing to do? The answer to that is no. We can say it all day long, but honestly, how many of us put it on our wall but never really live it? The unfortunate truth is many more than we'd like to admit. If we want to live that commitment, then we need to allow God to build us and, and, and give us the characteristics that Joshua had. It's really that simple. I want to look at four characteristics in these two verses this morning that I believe will help us transition from good intentions to commitment. And the first one we see in verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. We've got to fear the Lord. Fear here does not mean to cower in the sense of being fearful like we would think of the word in 21st century America. The word fear here means to reverence or to, to have respect for. 
it is impractical, and I would even say impossible, to serve the Lord that you do not know, that you do not reverence, that you have no knowledge of. You cannot and will not serve that Lord. It's impossible. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. See, we, we can have book knowledge, but we cannot have life-changing knowledge without knowing God. It's impossible. Joshua had seen the Lord do great things in his life. And as I, as I was sitting in, in, in preparation for this, I, I was thinking about some of the things that Joshua himself had experienced. And, and again, I, I made a list here, but this is just scratching the surface. I could have gone quite a bit deeper. But was he not there with the ten plagues of Egypt? He was. He saw God do great things in Egypt through the plagues. He was there at the parting of the Red Sea. He was there when they ran out of food and God gave them manna. He was there when they had no water and, and, and Moses smote the rock and, and the, 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 the rock put, uh, put forth water to, to, to supply a, a, a water for uh, millions of Jews. And as they wandered through the wilderness, guess what that rock did? It went with them. Joshua saw all this. Joshua and Caleb were the were the uh, two of the twelve spies that went into the land initially, and came back. And it was it was Joshua and and Caleb that gave the good report, and the ten the t the ten other spies gave a bad report. And what did God do? God said, "Okay, you're going to be that stupid. Then you're going to wander in the wilderness." <clears throat> for 40 years. And within that 40 years, everybody that was alive then died, except for three people. Who were they? Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. God's, or Joshua saw that miracle. He saw God provide for them for 40 years of, of wandering. <clears throat> Joshua crossed the Jordan River on dry ground just as they had seen God part the waters of the Red Sea. Joshua saw the miracles of Jericho. And again, the list can go on and on and on. And, and <clears throat> he saw firsthand God do great miracles over and over and over. Now, <clears throat> let, I, I have had people tell me, you know what? I would have a greater uh, faith in God if God would do those miracles in my life. My question to you is this. Why isn't He? 
Because the God that Joshua served is the same God we serve today. Now, one of two things is happening. Either you're not asking him to do those things, or you're not putting yourself in a position to see God do those things. See, let, let me put it to you this way. I, I hate to keep picking on the Pruitts, but it's a perfect example. God did a miraculous thing last Sunday in our offering, did he not? In providing for their needs. But had Larry not stepped up and said, hey, I'll go. I don't know how we're going to afford it. I don't know how. I'm just going to trust God. Guess what? God provided. After he said, I'll go. What do you think would have happened if Larry said, hey, if God will provide $3,400, then I'll go. Do you think God would have provided the $3,400? No. See, we have to put ourselves out there in order to see the miracles. But way too often what we do is we say, okay, God, if you provide then I will do. That's not how it works. That's not faith. And Joshua was a man who learned to live by faith partially because of what he had seen God do over and over and over. That's why he could say, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because he had the confidence of faith. Joshua saw the judgment of God in a man named Achan. In, in Joshua chapter 7, verse, verses 20 and 21, and, and Achan uh, answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus, uh, and thus have I done. When I saw, excuse me, among the spoils, a goodly Babylon, uh, Babylonish garment, and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels of weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, <clears throat> they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. See, Joshua learned to fear or to reverence God, not only because of the miracles that he had seen God do, but because he had seen judgment firsthand. God is a righteous and holy God. And we will learn to love, to fear and respect Him when we get to know Him. If we are going to transition from good intentions to commitment, it is only going to be because we reverence or fear God. The second one that we see in verse 14 And now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Serve the Lord. There's two interesting words here. The first one is sincerity. Now, I know those of you that have been at the church here for a while know what the word sincerity means, but I want to, I want to explain it because... It's been a while since, I, since we've talked about this, and not everybody knows what this word means. The word sincere 
literally means without wax. And for those of you that don't know what it means, you're probably going, okay, that makes no sense. Well, let me explain. Back then, when a potter would make a, uh, what do they call those things they carry water in? Urns, the water urns. They They would make them, and then they would dry them, and oftentimes what would happen is the the clay if they hadn't uh, if they didn't have real good quality clay or they didn't they didn't work it enough which is usually was the problem then air pockets would form and different things so that when they dried what would happen to the to the urn it would crack well how much water does a cracked urn hold not a lot okay so what would they do to the cracks they would put wax in the cracks so that it would hold water. And then they would, they would, do, they would do things to it <clears throat> so that they would hide the wax so that when you looked at it, it would look like it was water-worthy, if you would. So the purchaser would say to the potter, is this vase, if this urn is whatever it was, is this sincere? That's what the word is. Is it without wax? Is it water worthy? And the crook potters would say, oh yeah, it's sincere. But what would happen in the hot Israeli weather, the wax would melt and the urn would leak and then it would become worthless. So in other words, if something is sincere, what is it? It's without flaw. It's not perfect, but it's without cracks. If something is insincere, what is it? It's worthless. So, how are we to serve the Lord? We are to serve the Lord in sincerity. We are to serve the Lord without cracks in our lives. Now, is that saying do we, that we need to be perfect? No. But what he's saying is, when you serve the Lord, don't cover up your flaws with wax and pretend that the flaws are not there. Because we all have flaws, do we not? But if we serve the Lord with sincerity, what is He doing? He's helping us fix our flaws, is He not? So as we serve the Lord, the very first thing we are to do is to do it with sincerity. The second word here is truth. Sincerity and truth. The word truth here simply means to be faithful, reliable, or dependable. I'm going to embarrass someone else this morning. Lawrence is sitting back here. Lawrence and Brandon and Chris are faithful servants. 
How many of you knew that it's those three guys that come every Sunday morning and clean our church? Very few. Almost none of you knew that. How many, how many years have you been doing it? Lawrence has been doing it longer than the other two. So four, four plus years? That's faithfulness. You know, I never have to worry whether the church is going to be clean. I, I don't want I don't think I don't even think about it. That's what God is asking. Service. Sincere and reliable. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Joshua. I have not commanded thee, excuse me, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. See, Joshua saw firsthand the, the, the blessings of God, but he also saw God directing in his life. I'm going to read a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, or, or a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And in these verses, God categorizes our works into six different categories. Now, I want you to pay attention to these categories because, well, let, let's read it and then we'll talk about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and following, it says, Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. There's your six categories. Every man's work shall be, uh, be made manifest uh, or, or shall be, everybody will see them. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall uh, be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet also by fire. So what is, what is this talking about here? This is, this is really important because th this really goes to the motivation that we do works. We have six categories of works that, that God says uh, <clears throat> uh, He will reward us with. At some, at some point in time, we will stand before God and everything that we've done, He will give back to us. And we will stand with our arms open, at least this is my understanding, we will stand with our own arms open and we will receive all of our works. And they will come in the form of six things. Can you go back to verse 12, Chris, please? <clears throat> It'll be in the form of six things. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble. So he will then present us with a pile of works that we have done. Does that make sense? Okay. It'll be in the form of those six things. Then it says it will be tried by fire. So in other words, what we're going to do is we're going to take this, this stack of works 
and we are going to thrust it into the fire, and then we're going to pull it back out. And what do you think is going to survive? Gold, silver, and precious stones. The wood, hay, and stubble are going to be burned up. Now, now try and try and picture this. What is the difference? What is the difference between the two different ones? The gold, silver, and precious stone and the wood, hay, stubble. What is the difference? Okay, one's going to be consumed, but the difference is the motivation of the heart. Why did I do this particular act? If I did this act, okay, I'm going to pick on Lawrence again. If Lawrence cleans the church so that he could earn points with God, will it be gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, or stubble? Wood, hay, stubble. But if he does it because he loves God, which I believe he does, and he does it for no recognition, which he doesn't, that's why he doesn't, then I believe it's gold, silver, precious stone. See, it's the same act, but it's the motivation of the act that determines what it is. See, we have people doing things all the time, and it is the motivation that makes it sincere. Is it not? God wants us to serve Him in sincerity, without wax, without bad motivations. He wants us to serve Him because we love Him. We, he wants us to serve He wants us to serve Him out of sincerity and in truth. And that's how Joshua lived his life. Joshua was an open book. Joshua lived his life in such a way that he could say, I have served you in sincerity and in truth. My question to you is, how, how are you serving God? Is it in sincerity and in truth? Or it is out of selfishness? If it's out of selfishness, forget trying to transition from good intentions to commitment because you're going to be stuck over here in good intentions. But if you're serving God with a sincere and true heart, that is the next step in making this, the transition. This, the third point this morning is probably what I would say the most difficult of all. And that is, we find it in verse 14 also. And verse number, point number three is to put away. Let's look at verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Put away. Again, this is, I believe, the most difficult of all four the, of, the, of the steps, if you would, or the, the categories of the, 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 the things that God does in our lives is when we have to put away. Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. I need to lose weight. It's easy to say. What do I have to do? 
have to start exercising and eat less. Okay? That, that's how you transition. Okay, over here, I have good intentions to lose weight. But if I don't exercise and eat less, I might as well just stay right here feeling good about myself. Because I need to lose weight. Oh, I feel better. Now, my doctor wouldn't agree with that. And I promise you, as soon as I have my knee surgery, I am going to exercise and eat less. I need to eat less now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. No, but I honestly, I can't exercise right now. So, But anyway, that's, a, that's a, just a good excuse. But you get the point, do you not? How many of us have ever been here saying, you know what, I need to exercise and, and, and eat less, but we don't do it. See, we, we don't make the transition. We need to put away. We need to push back from the table. How many of you would say, have ever said, you know what, I need better friends? We stand over here and we say, you know what, My, I, I need better friends. You know, what the, you know what the trick is? Get new friends. That's the trick. I need to, I, I, I need to read my Bible more. Then do it. That's what Joshua is saying. Put it away. Quit, quit making yourself feel good by saying, you know what, I need to do these things. What is he saying? Do it. Put it away. See, this is the hard, this is the hard part of the, of the conversation here. How do we transition from here to here? It, it, it's simply doing it. Mike Edwards, a pastor back east, uh, once said, action must accompany intention. We've got to put good intentions into action. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that, uh, uh, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The key phrase in this, in this passage is let us <clears throat> lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. I got an email. I, got a, I get <clears throat> news notifications. Uh, uh, you know, whenever breaking news happens, I get these little emails telling me, you know, something such happened or whatever. And this morning, I got an email that some guy from Kenya won the New York Marathon this morning. And my first thought was, so? <laughs> I don't care about that. But let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Did this guy from Kenya, which they, they gave his name, but there's no way on God's green earth I was going to say it. <laughs> but do you think that this guy before the race went around Central Park, because I'm sure it was in Central Park somewhere, <clears throat> went around Central Park uh, picking up stones and putting them in a backpack and then put the backpack on before the race. No. What was he doing? He was shedding every ounce of clothing that he could. Why? 
because he wanted to run the race to the best of his ability. And that's what Paul's talking about here. To lay aside every weight and sin that, that drags us down. But what happens with most Christians as we go through our lives, we go through life picking up stones and putting them in a backpack and it drags us down. And a lot of these things that we pick up are, are uh, uh, things that drag us down are debt. I can't tell you how many people I know have said to me, you know, uh, and I'm talking, I'm talking not here so much, but back when I was in college, uh, I, I went to school with guys who wanted desperately to, to be in the ministry, but they were so in debt, they had to drop out of college so that they could work to pay their debt. That's a horrible place to be. How many of us have picked up along the way friends uh, or, or relationships of people that drag us down? How many of us have picked up boulders and of bitterness and put them in our backpack and drag us down? See, you, you get the picture? Paul is saying, you know what? Get rid of all that stuff. Put it away. And then finally... In closing, number four, we see the fourth point, choose. Look at verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. I found it interesting as I, as I thought about it and was thinking and Joshua didn't say, choose whom you're going to serve. That's not what he said. What did he say? He says, choose you this day. What, what was he trying to do? He's trying to get the, the, the people. Of it. What, what happens if we say, you know, someday I need to <clears throat> exercise and, and stop eating, start eating less. But if I don't in my heart say, you know what, bless God, I'm going to start today. What's going to happen? It's never going to happen. And that's what Joshua's saying. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And there comes a time in our lives when good intentions are great. But if we don't say, I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to do it now. It's never going to happen. And I'm speaking to everybody in this room because you know what? We've all, if we're not there now, we've been there or we're going to be there. What was Joshua trying to tell us? If we're going to serve the Lord, It's going to take commitment. It's going to take us to just choose that we're going to do right. Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 12 says, and, and, that knowing, <clears throat> and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now 
is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now is the time. Let me close this morning with a question. What do you want this morning? Do you want good intentions? Or do you want commitment? It's really a pretty simple question. And the answer is fourfold. You need to fear the Lord. You need to serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. You need to put away some things in your life and you just need to choose to do it. It's really pretty simple in theory. Yesterday and Friday night, some of our men made choices. God had, had spoken to our hearts and God spoke to my heart about some things. And the key from getting from here to here is those four things. Fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and the truth. Put away some things in your life. And just choose to do it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.